Good morning. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Perspectives from WFSU Public Media. I'm Tom Flanagan. You are always welcome to join the conversation at 850-414-1234. You can also send us an email. Perspectives at WFSU.org is the address. Got some quotes for you. I tried to keep these accurate here. Uh, The past is prologue. That was... William Shakespeare from The Tempest. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. That is oft misquoted, but that's the original quote from philosopher George Santayana, and that came from his uh, book, The Life of Reason. History repeats itself, first as tragedy, then as farce. Karl Marx and the infamous history is more or less bunk, Henry Ford. Okay? So a lot of opinions about history and interpretations of history are about as numerous as those quotations and so many others. Well, we are going to be talking um, about history today. And for lots of us, I guess history is generally just a long-ago school subject that maybe wasn't particularly interesting. Or you may think of history as the name of a cable TV channel. But, you know, in recent days, history and the teaching of history has become a topic of much controversy, particularly in the Florida legislature. And we're going to get to some of that, of course, this morning on Perspectives, but we're also going to give you a preview of a first-ever event that's coming up later this month. That'll be the inaugural Tallahassee Community College History Festival that'll be taking place down at Clayman Plaza. So, so much to talk about. And we do have historians on our panel uh, celebrating a sixth-year anniversary when he was in this very room as the chair of the Tallahassee Community College Department of History, David Proctor. David, how you doing? Thank you, Tom. I'm thrilled to be here. It is so great to see you again, live and in person. And you too. We're, we're going to be talking to you. We'll also be talking about a um, another history professor from TCC. He is also president of the Tallahassee Historical Society, and that's Bob Holliday. Hey, Bob. Tom, it is good to see you again. I mean, it's I, I feel like it's been eons since I was here. I guess it has been. <laughs> well, it's going to be a historical occasion, that's for sure. Here, But, you know, we don't want to leave out the English department either because uh, Teresa Palavoda, TCC professor of English, joins us here. And I guess we start with you, Teresa. What are you doing amidst all the historians here? Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to prepare uh, for the History Festival today. And the way this got started was uh, I was on the President's Commission with uh, David Proctor. The President asked David to think about this History Festival. And I said, I want to help with that uh, because English goes right along with history. Without one, you don't have the other. Well, that is true, yes. And you must be able to communicate history properly. And Accuracy in language is paramount for historians, David, as we all know. Like those quotes that we started off with, usually people just sort of mangle them and they come out not the way they were originally uh, generated. But uh, but that is part of history, too. No, number one, you got to start with facts, right. verifiable empirical evidence if you're going to talk about this. Essential. Tom, you left out one. My, my favorite one of those quotes is from William Faulkner. He said, the past is never dead. It's not even past. 
That is that is true, and maybe that is going to be the one of the main lessons from from the history festival that this stuff is not some deep, dark, far away kind of thing. That history is a continuum, and we are on that continuum. Uh, Tom, <clears throat> it really is, and and the goal of this whole project, we want to do outreach. We want to make history fun and exciting, and reach out to the students, the public, the community. And I just can't thank President Murdahl enough for initiating the idea. And then Provost Stringer and VP Jones, have they've all gotten behind it. And we think that, you know, history, you would have to live in a cave to see that it isn't in the, it is in the news a lot. It's quite controversial. And we're comfortable with that. History is contested. It is debated. It is argued about and always has been. And that's just part of it. And what we want to do with the festival is just get the community and the students interested, emphasize local history, emphasize a broad, diverse picture of history, because North Florida has a very broad, diverse history. There's European Americans, African Americans, Native Americans, women's roles. There's such a big story here, and it's all interconnected. And the festival, we want to bring K-12 students in, we want to have the community, we're going to have museums there with booths and artifacts and just all kind of things. And everything from genealogy to politics to culture to anything you want, and the whole goal is to build interest in it. Learn about your genealogy, learn about your county, learn about your own past. And what was it, I think, Tom, our old mentor Bill Rogers from the FSU History Department used to talk, uh, Bob, what was it? All history is All local. All history is local. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and William Rogers emphasized that. And I, he was on my doctoral committee and Bob knew him and he trained us. But we want to take history from a local level and use it to build up, uh, to build knowledge and excitement and help keep history alive. Uh, history is contested and there's in the colleges, there's lots of other subjects that want their time in the in the gen ed curriculum, which is what we do here the first two years of college. Oh, that's not just genteel. That's everybody wants their subject and their hours. And Tom, as you know, when we were last out here, we were discussing that history was on the losing end of a lot of those struggles and and the requirements have been reduced and it's a long story yeah but but now it is even rebounded down to the elementary yes. school level where you have lawmakers that are saying well uh, here are some things that perhaps are acceptable subjects when it comes to the learning of history and some others you need to back off on because right. we don't want people to be upset or to feel marginalized or um, whatever but all learning is uncomfortable. You're taking yourself to where you wouldn't normally want to go. Mm -hmm. uh, Definitely I, true. I, I'd like to reiterate what David just said about how how important it is that President Murdoch and TCC provided real institutional support for for this. You know, the same. Uh, I've I've given a lot of thought to this, but you know, virtually. You know, was it a couple of weeks ago? Uh, you know, it was announced that TCC is going to is going to have a STEM high school, basically. And uh, you know, there are lots of reasons why history is is controversial. One of the main ones, I think, 
is that human beings and maybe Americans in particular do not do ambiguity very well. I mean, we we that's the reason why STEM, I think, such an emphasis is on STEM because, you know, in math, you know that 2 plus 2 is always going to equal 4. You know that, you know, there's certain questions and answers in science that are that are that are going to be constant. Uh, history is not like that. I mean, history is is based, I think, upon a degree of, of 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 ambiguity, and we don't do that very well. I mean, it's one reason why conspiracy theories abound in this country. There's always got to be somebody or somebody, some institution at fault. Somebody did something, you know, the grassy knoll or whatever, you know. I mean, we we. And history, history by its very nature, uh, raises more questions, I think, than it answers. And people, people are very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, and there's always nuance in there too. Exactly. You have people who may, given today's sensibilities mm-hmm. and understandings, may have been horrible people or at least done some things that are perceived as horrible but in the context of their time perhaps not so much that's definitely true in english also because in the english department uh, i teach a literature class for example and so i can't teach that literature class uh, i can't teach them something about malcolm x without explaining to them historically what's going on right and so my students have heard quite a bit about Martin Luther King. They don't know anything about Malcolm X from high school uh, because he's not taught as as frequently. And so I have to explain to them. We talk about the Harlem Renaissance. They don't know anything about what is happening in the world in 1919, 1920, that kind of thing. So those kinds of things, that's why, but it's all subjective, but they need to know kind of what's going on. And that's why I think that English works so well with history and vice versa. Let's get to the phones here. We have a caller awaiting at 850-414-1234. Reed is joining us here on Perspectives. Mr. Mahoney, how are you, sir? Oh, Mr. Clanton, how are you this morning, lad? Ah, dear lad, couldn't be doing better. Thank you for asking. Ah, glad to hear it. Let me tell you something, Tom. My grandfather was a historian. He embedded that in me. He was the greatest man ever lived. And um, he would he would be so disgusted. Um, the phrase alternative facts comes up when I think about the phrase revisionist history. Uh I hate to get started on such a low note, but that's <laughs> uh, I am I am kind of I'm kind of one of those purists who believe that history is just history. It's fact. That's that's the way it was. Now we can all determine how that affected us in one way or another. But what happened happened. Uh, and for us to start telling our students that what happened isn't important or it didn't happen at all is travesty. 
Hang on here just a second, Reed, if you could. Uh, well, let's pick up your thought on the other side of this mandatory upcoming break here on Perspectives. As we talk about the upcoming Tallahassee Community College History Festival, the first event of its kind coming up later this month right here on Perspectives, and we'll be right back. Back on Perspectives as we talk to two historians and an English professor. What a great combination, huh? We are just awash in academic firepower here today on Perspectives. Hey, by the way, we are always available online at WFSU.org. We archive each show in its entirety, and we try to have it up as close to when it actually airs on the radio as possible, so you can go on and listen to it again. Uh, Mr. Mahoney, complete your thought here as you, you were talking about revisionist history, and history and your uh, perception should be just, you know, kind of cut and dried facts, if you would. Well, you know, I, I, I really believe that history is facts. I believe it's valid to discuss how those facts affect us in the short and long term. But I am very concerned about our legislature and other august bodies trying to not only change what we teach, but limit what we teach. And when you take facts away from people, that is what we call the dumbing down of America. Uh, there you go. How do I join the Tallahassee Historical Society? You go to our website, www.tallahasseehistoricalsociety.org. And uh, you will find links on there um, uh, uh, to fill out the form and join us. I will tell you now that our next meeting is uh, a week from today, um, March the 10th. It, uh, it's being held at Trinity United Methodist Church here in town. We're sort of bouncing around this year. And our speaker is Eddie Page from FSU Fine Arts Department, who is in the process of writing a book about Wakulla County. So it starts at 7 o'clock over at Trinity. So uh, come join us. We'd love to have you. Sounds like fun, Reed. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and uh, to Reed's point there, uh, David Proctor, maybe on the how do we get into the various interpretations of what would seem to be a historical fact, and how do you decide which of those are the more valid. Yes, the, uh, Mr. Mahoney raised so many salient points here in his call. Um, to address them, I would say the discipline of history really teaches you. I earned a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD at FSU, and I had legends like Jim Jones and Bill Rogers and Dick Bartlett and a whole host of luminaries uh, and just beat this into us. But facts are important. Factual information is very important, but how do you assess it? How do you judge it? How do you compare it? And how do you corroborate it? Uh, so you start out learning what is a primary source? You know, what is a factual material? Then you learn that there are opinions and interpretations and contested information. And then there's lots of facts that are gone, you know, depending on what period of time you're in that have just vanished from the record or that been lost. So you start with a factual basis. And then once you have that down and once you can get agreement on that, the interpreting can start. Well, do these facts matter more based on this evidence? 
I would tell the listeners to think of serving on a jury trial. Uh, it's often the history profession is very much like that. And once you assess all the evidence and assemble it, and you've got a tome, a monstrous doorstop tome <laughs> created, uh, then you can come to some conclusions. Um, what makes history, I've, I've always been fascinated and enjoying, enjoyed it, but it can become very contentious because it involves people's ancestry, it involves national history, it involves emotional thoughts. And like Bob Holliday pointed out, it's not math, it's not physics, it, it is that. And so what, I, what we stress is everybody get comfortable with that. Understand that from, from the get-go and realize that it's not a medieval jousting tournament. You know, let's all look at the information and see where we go. But we were discussing about winners writing history. Uh, now that's often true. And the farther back you go, the more that gets to be an issue as well. So you use your jury trial approach. You use your, what is a primary source? What's a secondary source? How much weight do we give this? And you start a corroboration process. And that can get you to the best uh, location. But what can often happen with history is people are interested in it, but they really don't have a basis in it. They don't have a knowledge base and they don't have the training. Um, it matters. Those doctoral programs and master's programs, they teach you how to, to it's, there is a first course you take is called historical methods. Taught, I had it by VJ Connor and she's out there and, and retired and she's wonderful. So if you're listening, VJ, uh, it's, it's, I'll take responsibility. I won't blame you for this, but uh, anyway. So Tom, that's really what it is. Once people can learn that approach, I think it lowers the temperature on everything and it makes people more open and receptive and realizing that history is complicated. And maybe you were taught this narrative about your ancestors or about your country or that country was taught this narrative. But once you get comfortable with the nuts and bolts of history, with the primary sources, with that, and you get into it, you realize, you know, I don't really need to be freaking out about this and, and yelling at somebody or whatever. There's a big picture here and let's relax and learn from it. Um, history doesn't provide pat answers but it gives us perspective on the present and nobody can predict the future. Historians blow it as much as anybody when you try to predict the future, but you can, you can illuminate the present with it and maybe from that point, make better decisions as citizens. So there was a lot of points there in the call, but I hope that kind of addresses it a little bit. Well, and, and Teresa Palavuta, it's very much what we learn in English is that everybody has a story and there are multiple ways of looking at that story. Right. Using your own vernacular, using everything that you have within yourself, you have your viewpoint. And, and just because maybe siblings would have different viewpoints on growing up in the same household. You know, we all have different viewpoints. And that's, you know, what when I'm teaching my students how to write a letter, how to write, how to communicate, um, we look at various historical situations and say, you know, what's going on here? And then how can we interpret it? Just like what um, David was talking about. I'd, I'd like to follow up for a second on what David and Teresa both said. Um, I don't think, I, I think that all history is revisionist history. I mean, there are very few things that, that get my gourd more 
than when a federal judge somewhere makes an, makes an opinion and talks about wanting to be on the right side of history. Well, what does that mean? I mean, history is constantly being reevaluated and reinterpreted and so forth. And I mean, just for as an example, the difference between the way Reconstruction was taught when I was a kid and the way Reconstruction is taught now. I mean, if I tried to teach the way it was when I was a kid, David would show me the door. <laughs> and, and it's it's I mean, and and. And what complicates all of this? I mean, what, I mean, what complicates all of this is a one of those highfalutin words that I like to throw out to my students: uh, postmodernism. We live in the postmodernist age, and the essence of postmodernism, which started with the French, I think, is that there is no such thing as objective truth; that all truth is subjective. Well, that means that David's truth on a subject and Teresa's and mine are all equally valid. And I know this is going to really make a lot of people uncomfortable to say this, but it means that the neo-Confederate out there who says that the Civil War was never about slavery, you know, has a right to say that and argue it just as much as the neo-revisionist who says that the Civil War was only about slavery. I mean... That's what history does. It's content. It's it's contentious, and if you are looking, if you are looking for it to be a subject that, in which answers and interpretations never change, uh, you're looking at the wrong. You're looking at the wrong subject. Well, we can't agree on something, the meaning or the significance of something that happened yesterday. How can we come to some consensus about something that happened hundreds or even thousands of years ago? Maybe Bill can help us with this debate here. He is on line six, patiently awaiting an entree to the conversation. Bill, thanks for calling Perspectives. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. You talking to me? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Go right ahead. Hey, yeah, I just would like them to briefly comment on the... Uh, looks like the return of Jim Crow fascism in the state of Florida around the subject of history and the idea that there, uh, the contention in history has a lot to do with who politically is allowed to be get into that contention. Because a lot of uh, black people um, who have some very contentious history in, in Florida are not allowed to be involved politically. Um, you know, uh, it's nice to have academic, calm, academic conversations about uh, some aspect of history that does not involve you. But history has been very bloody and um, genocidal for some of us. And um, that's probably what helps to make it contentious. Bill, I, that seems to replicate a conversation I had with a uh... Dr. Reggie Ellis, just this past uh, weekend out at the Harambee Festival in Cascades Park, when he was talking about, again, various aspects of history that to some folks would say, well, well, that's inconsequential, or there's no proof for that, or we don't have adequate documentation. That's all oral history, and how do you prove that? How do you sift through that, David? Oh, yeah, Tom, that's a, that's a great point. And we encounter this in the classroom right. uh, quite often, too. History is not math. And history is not a, just an impersonal, academic, 
quadratic equation. History involves ancestors, and history involves where we come from, each one of us. So the way, you know, the way I answer, would answer that is we want to be careful with terminology because many terms like fascism or Jim Crow and so on have a specific historical context as to when they were prominent. And so we want to be careful when we use those, you know, applying to the modern period. Now, that's not to say there aren't relationships. History, sometimes they say it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes mm -hmm. a little bit. And so I would, you want, you want to approach it in an open and sensitive way and realize that everybody has a story, um, and, and they all do. So when you look at, say, the Jim Crow era, or you look at fascism in the 20s and the 30s, uh, you want to say, well, let me study those in detail. Let's get down into some real primary sources and then decide from there if you want to apply those terms to the present. And everybody has a right to their opinions and so on. So mm -hmm. I would just sort of suggest caution when you're, when you're using the past. You know, we all know about Hitler analogies that are overblown or what, that's probably the most famous one or whatever. But on the other hand, Stalin, Hitler, Mao... They were real people and real movements and, and real, you know, and, and there's things to learn from that. Yeah. Jim Crow in, in America was a, was a tough time and a terrible time. And there were lynchings and there were families held back, you know, from accumulating wealth and so on. That needs to be looked at. I would simply say you look at the past, but you always stay very factually grounded. And you use the past and compare it to the present. But you always want to be cognizant that that time was that was their time and that was in the past, that today's world is a whole new set of things. So yeah. that's kind of how I would address it. But we do have students, I do have students now, if I could just interject, mm -hmm. at, that are still dealing with issues that were happening during Jim Crow times. Exactly. Uh, obviously not the, the outward, oh, you can't come in here uh, because, you know, you have certain restrooms for various people. But I still have stories from my students who are African-American, Native American, Hispanic American, um, who, are who have to deal with this type of existence when they're traveling, uh, when people will say to them, don't be in this town after dark. And that's a story that a student just told me a few semesters ago. So I can understand where this gentleman is talking about that that, that is what makes these things contentious, is that this you know, these kinds of things need to be discussed. We need to get, we don't need to just say we can't talk about this. We need to talk about it because communication is the key. And, and the connection that uh, an, another historian, uh, a friend of mine, uh, a fellow by the name of John Warfel, uh, many, many years ago, he, he was my favorite history professor ah. in, in college, said that history to a large degree is a yin and yang of dominance and oppression amongst many peoples. Right. There are certain commonalities that uh, we see through time immemorial. Right. Uh, you know, today's oppressor may be, you know, tomorrow's oppressed. Right. Uh, although there are certain, as we see in, in our society here, um, some uh, I guess traditions, uh, some very negative traditions when it comes to who's on the bottom, who's on the top. 
but this resonates throughout all of human history. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it's connected to our li lizard brain or the uh, survival instincts that we had back in the, in the days when you'd have a small tribe and you see other people come across the ridge. And normally you don't go running up to them and say, welcome Precisely. our neighbors. You know, yes. you arm yourself and get ready to defend what's yours because they're probably going to come and take it. And so that's like hardwired into us. Tom, you are so correct. And I make that point all the time in the class. We are products of our whole evolution. Most of human history is for modern humans that look like us was spent hunting and gathering and in small bands and tribes. I mean, like the vast majority of our history, when we sign up for Western Civ one and two, what's left of it, you know, the one tiny section still alive or world history. You're looking at, well, I don't have it on the video, you're looking at a tiny sliver of the human existence and all of those centuries and thousands of years of that tribalism. And like you said, the band that's coming over the hill may just like kill me and take my stuff. Uh, that's wired into our brains. And, and you can't look at the sweep of history without seeing it. But to the, to the gentleman's, some of his points, America has a history. It was founded as colonies, as you know, by the British Empire, the English Empire, and the Spanish down in South America. Enslavement, colonialism, imperialism was all part of that, and it didn't just blink out of existence. You know, when we wrote the Declaration, when Thomas Jefferson writes the Declaration of Independence, or we have, you know, we the people, and all men are created equal. Those are Enlightenment ideas. Then, of course, you have to explain the Enlightenment. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, and yes, so we had ideals, and then you look at the way it actually unfolded. You had slavery. You had Jim Crow. You had, had to have the Civil Rights Movement. And like it or not, those things leave legacies. Mm -hmm. They impact family wealth. They impact educational opportunities. They have impact. We, all four of us sitting in this room, did not just pop out of the blue uh, we all had parents. We had grandparents. My great-grandfather was a Union soldier, and he's buried over an old city cemetery. Uh, I've looked on my mother's side and my father's side, and there's a great-great-grandfather who was in one of the Florida Confederate units. Mm -hmm. And there's all manner of other ones in the attic that I haven't found yet. <laughs> and any American is going to have some version of that. Maybe they immigrated yesterday, or maybe they've been here since the Mayflower, or maybe they're Native American and have been since the beginning. But we want to sit back and sort of be calm and, and, and be excited and be interested in all these things. And the more we learn, the more I think the temperature can drop and the more we can have more light instead of more heat. And how connected we really, we really are, are which is. And we're going to reconnect with you in just a moment here on Perspectives as we talk about the upcoming Tallahassee Community College History Festival, Clayman Plaza, 10 to 2, March 26th. That'll be coming up, and we'll have more to say about that and history in general coming up right after this short time out on Perspectives. In the meantime, you want to call 850 414 Three, four. We'll be right back. We are back on Perspectives with more information for you about Tallahassee Community College's 
partnership with the Tallahassee Historical Society, the president of whom is sitting in this very room right now, <laughs> the Florida Civil Rights Museum, also the National Association for the Preservation of African American History and Culture, the Fort San Louis NSDAR to create the inaugural Tallahassee History Festival, as we mentioned before the break, Saturday, March 26, 10 to 2, Claimant Plaza downtown. And there will be a showcase and teaching opportunity for attendees about history in Florida, but it's interactive. It's not going to be a dry classroom-like situation. Keynote speaker, this guy, you have got to hear his stories. Dr. A.J. Brickler III, he is a pilot. Uh, He has been instrumental in getting the Tuskegee Airmen exhibit out to the airport, and he also has a historical place in aviation for making a cross-country flight that was just, and he'll tell you about that if you show up for this. But anyway, uh, Teresa Palafota, there are still opportunities for folks to get involved. Besides just showing up, they can take a more active involvement, right? That's right. We still have spaces available if you want to be a vendor. We have um, various businesses, uh, Four Points uh, downtown, what we used to call the Round Holiday Inn, for example, is going to be there with some of their old photos uh, and that kind of things. We've got tons of different vendors there. It's all free for both vendors and uh, for the attendees. So I just put it out there that if anybody wants to come, just go to the TCC website, uh, type in History Festival, and it will pop up. There'll be like a there's a link, and you can just join. And, and I think a lot of this is going to be pre-1824, which is, and we got to mention that we are coming up on the bicentennial of this community, which is going to be a massive, massive observance with lots of historical implications. But this was a hopping community even before that, Bob Holiday. There were lots of things going on, some of which uh, would be scandalous even by today's standards, I think. Yeah, between 1822, 1824, and 1845, which was statehood, um, uh, Tallahassee, the North Florida, was what a good friend of mine, Mike Denham, said in his first book was a rogue's paradise. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it will be. It will. I mean, the historical society will emphasize the territorial period. Um, during during the bicentennial, which was really a culture class, as you know, three cultures: European Americans, Native Americans, and African Americans. And we're trying to make sure that we get everybody adequately represented. Let me let me talk just a second about the history festival, just a second, because I've, I've I've got a secret agenda for the history <laughs> for the history festival. Um, we. Uh, among the vendors that will be there are a couple of book dealers. One of them is Midtown Reader, but the other one is a good friend of mine, Susan Susan Mick, who runs Tippy Canoe Antiques, and she is, I guess, Tallahassee's only real antiquarian book dealer. So if you are a book collector, um, you should come and check her out. And of course, my longtime uh, secret agenda here is that as this festival gathers steam and goes on, that we get more and more book dealers here. I mean, the Florida Antiquarian Book Fair is like a like a week later down in Tampa, and so I would love it if this were so, if people on the way to Tampa 
or St. Pete for this thing would stop here and be and be and be part of this. So if I mean if you're Tallahassee's a book town. Right. And, um, and and interestingly enough, if you think that that's going to be too pricey for you, she also has postcards. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so <laughs> Susan's great. Yeah, she's fantastic. Well, there's uh, also some things going on in the run-up to the festival, which, again, is on the 26th. Uh, uh, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday, I uh, have heard that uh, Ben Gunter and Idy Connington and the folks with uh, um, Bach Parley have gotten together for a historical, uh, kind of even pre-territorial. Uh, this is going back into the Spanish history. Of, of Tallahassee, and there will be musical performances, there's going to be a play, there's all kinds of stuff. And again, getting into the scandal, apparently when the waltz first rose to kind of um, surreptitious prominence in Europe, one of the first places it surfaced in North America was Tallahassee, Florida, because it was so far off the beaten path and nobody could get I guess, condemned by the church or whatever, because that was like the the twerking of the uh, pre-colonial period. Um, and uh, so they're going to get into that, and there will be other music and stuff going on. So if you want to check out Theater with a Mission, you can go on their website and ben, they have and the whole Ben is thing. great, and Theater with a Mission is, is, is great. I cannot think of any more appropriate play title concerning Florida than than one that that they put on periodically about the actual purchase of Florida from Spain in which Ben plays John Quincy Adams by the way <laughs> but the title of it the title of it is Florida for sale I mean is is anything more appropriate for Florida than and now <laughs> than Florida for sale <laughs> But but that goes back to your point, David Proctor, that so much of today's modern history actually had its genesis in this area. It did, Tom. I mean, the, the local history of Florida is just amazing. And from Native Americans to the arrival of the white settlers, African-American enslavement, uh, farming, longleaf pines, it all built up to what we have today. And it makes Florida a very bifurcated state because North Florida is, yeah. it's almost like going North, you go South, mm -hmm. uh, because South Florida was built after so much of it after World War II. I mean, there were certainly towns, but uh, yes, I mean, the development of the state, the, the 1925 land, I mean, the twenties land boom and then the hurricanes. And there's long been a commercial element to Florida. <laughs> and, and you don't know Florida unless you understand that. One of the first talkies, it came out in 1929. It was called Coconuts. It was a Marx Brothers yes. movie. Yes, and I've what seen that. was it about? It was about land speculation in Florida. Oh, it's a great movie. So, yeah, what is what is new is old again. They get yeah. into growth management issues and all that at the legislature this afternoon. And it's the same thing we were talking about, you know, nearly a hundred years ago. Sure. And, and <clears throat> so was, you know, talking about movies on this, so was, um, I'm having a senior moment, can't remember the director, he's from FSU, but the movie Sunshine State that came out several years ago. I can't, I, I can't remember, uh, John Sayles. 
John Sayles did that movie, and it's 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 it is the same thing. I mean, one of those constant themes in Florida history. In Florida history. Yeah, and and the Stoltzfus folks, uh, let's see, the first cowboys in the United States mm-hmm. were here. Yeah. Uh, just so many things, uh, and and we got to get in a plug too for Beth Civita. She is doing her tours of Tallahassee. Not only the newly expanded artistic thing that Patty Maney's involved in. But uh, the ghost tours and, uh, you know, the, oh my gosh, the assassinations and the duels and all of the chicanery that happened down there on on Monroe and Adams streets back in the day. Yes, dueling. We need to get Beth to offer tours on March 26th. I know we talked to her about it. Have you all heard from her at all? I can't. Beth, if you're out there. (laughs) Yes, Beth, we'd love to have you. Yeah. But uh, for the folks who come here, let's give them a little preview of the uh, of the festival that, uh, again, is happening on the 26th at Claimant Plaza. We know what happens with the science festival. There's all kinds of hands-on thing, and it's great for not just the kids, but also the grown-ups as well. Is that what we're looking at here yes, for this exactly, festival, Teresa? Exactly the same thing, um, except not about science. It'll be about history. Uh, but we're going to have all sorts of games for kids to play and adults, too. There's going to be a chalk walk of drawing uh, historical figures for kids. There's going to be some sort of dig, I believe. Uh, 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 Tallahassee Museum is going to be there. So uh, several Jeopardy games, which is basically like a uh, like a brain Sort of ball. like history brain ball. Exactly. Or, or, yeah. If um, you like Jeopardy, we got a game for you. Exactly. <laughs> there, There is some cross-pollination here, I think, though, because I know that at least one of our exhibitors is going to be is going to be talking about the history of disease and like yellow fever yeah that's medicine with kev medicine with kev yeah yeah Yeah. well you know bob we test we beta tested our history jeopardy brain bowl at the word of south remember before the pandemic (laughs) hit us all but yeah it was very fun we had local north florida questions uh and we We'll have a, I'll have a buzzer system out there. Yeah, that'll we be great. Put I mean, contestants up, and we'll have uh, founding of Tallahassee, everything you want. And you can, <laughs> we'll have a game. And, and every, it was a great hit at the Word of South, yeah. Bob. It was. It was indeed. So. It, I will also tell you that my honors class, my uh, African-American literature honors class, is going to have a scavenger hunt uh, where uh, kids can go to various tables, get stickers, come back, and get a little reward. So... And to all the parents out there, one of the we want to keep building this into the festival, but teaching K twelve students how to do a history fair project really yeah. for the state, and then you know the state history day ends up at TCC about May first first week of May. Yeah. But there's every county has a competition for history fair to get there. You got elementary, you got uh, middle school, high school level. I'm just going to tell all the parents and any students that are listening. We're going to have Florida History Day, the very people that put that festival on, and nobody knows it better than they do. They're going to be at the festival, and if you want to learn how to do a project right and be in the competition, come to the History Festival. There will be all kind of ideas. You don't have to get just the generic idea. Hey, I love atomic bombs and 19th Amendment. I've judged history fair for since 20 years. But if you want to do something out out of the box, Local, ordin- local history, Riley House, Battle of Natural Bridge, Mission San Luis, Native American Indian Mounds. It is so much here. Father J- uh, James Page, yeah. I could go on and on. 
Now, you could do a history fair project that will get noticed. Right. It won't be one of the old standby. Hey, I love the old standbys. I've judged them for years, and they're great. And right now, with competition at colleges being so high, when you're noticed in high school and you can move forward and then for undergraduate symposiums and that kind of stuff. It is a nice thing to have on your application. Definitely. Well, we kind of went through, I don't want to say, (laughs) to use a term we talked about earlier, revisionist history, (laughs) but... We kind of pulled away from that as STEM became ascendant in our education system. History stopped being a standalone subject. It was subsumed by the social studies mishmush. (laughs) And suddenly we find ourselves in historically one of the most fascinating periods of the modern age, a worldwide pandemic that killed millions of people. Now we have the sudden reemergence, possibly, of the Soviet Union with the invasion of the Ukraine. (coughs) We have a roiling, divisive political situation here in the United States, which used to be maybe a little more united than we are today. This is all happening here just in the past couple years. Is this a historical turning point, Bob, do you think? Um, It could be. I mean, it's 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 really really concerning. I mean, as you know, we fought this whole battle over over civic literacy the last couple of years because we we were concerned that the that the legislature had basically made history an elective in colleges rather than than, than allowing colleges um, to make it a requirement and I think it's had a I think it's had a very bad impact I mean David told me this story this morning David I hope I don't get in trouble by saying this but that he gave one of his classes a blank map of Europe and asked them you know to identify and none of them could do it none of them could do it it was pretty terrifying, but you know the the students are plenty bright, and believe me, they know all kind of things that I don't know. They can solve math problems I can no longer right. solve. They can do tech things that leave me in the dust. So I always want to stress, and I tell students this: this is not about anybody how smart you are, this or that. We're all plenty smart. We've got all the smarts we need. It's all about what gets taught, what's emphasized, what, what's interesting, what is our students exposed to as they grow up. If you grow up in a world where history has been sidelined, well, yeah, you're going to know other things. And if and when we were all in our age bracket here, we were growing up, hey, map tests, map quizzes, that was standard. We did it all mm-hmm. the time. You know, hence, we can probably do pretty well with a blank map of Europe. But if that has not been the emphasis, it's not going to happen. And I think the students themselves were sort of like, oh, wow, yeah, <laughs> this is a thing. So, you know, it's all about getting it out there, teaching it, making it interesting, and then the rest takes care of itself. People are plenty smart. Uh, we just need to get history as a discipline. We need to get it in the core. Uh, I know K-12 has pretty good with history right now. It's really my concern is really more the community colleges and the universities. Yeah. They're, they're, they want to streamline those, you know, the general ed stuff. Oh, those surveys. Well, you're talking to three people here that we live and breathe the surveys. Yeah. And we go yeah. in every day. Oh, not you have to take this or let's throw them in a giant lecture hall or an online section. No, no, let's get in there and engage people that are not 
history majors. I mean, most of our students nowadays are not history majors. And just to say, if you Google statistical research, the history major itself is actually in decline. Uh, I hate it's horrifying. It has it it's declined more than any other major yes, in the last it's shrinking. years. Yeah, I think that's because of of communication. I think in academia, people can get over-specialized, particularly mm. at the universities. And hey, scholarship is vital. It's the basis of being able to teach good mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. You need solid scholarship. But if that really gets heavily focused, then what happens to the communicating it to the student who isn't a history major? Or the general public that just has an interest, they're not writing a dissertation or publishing right. a new book. They just want to have a broad understanding. So how you handle it in K-12, how you handle it in the community colleges, and how you handle it in the universities are all intertwined. I I ran into Professor Cresswell from FSU in Publix last night, (laughs) and we had this exact conversation. Now, he's at the Research One University, and they're working on history, but we both realized university, community college, and K-12, it's all interconnected. And we need a public that is literate in history if we want to have a democratic republic. Well, that is bringing us then to the conclusion of the show and a reminder again that coming up on March 26th, Clayman Plaza, 10 until 2, the first ever Tallahassee Community College History Festival with all kinds of fun things to do. It's going to be fun. It'll be great. Come join us, everyone. Come out. David Proctor, chair of the Tallahassee Community College Department of History, a TCC history professor and president of the Tallahassee Historical Society, Bob Holliday, and Teresa Palavota, TCC professor of English. Thank you all for being on Perspectives today, and we'll see you down there at the festival. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you so much, Tom. Perspectives produced by WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee. Technical assistance is coming from Evan Rossi today. Lydell Rawls back there on the phones. I'm Tom Flanagan. Our executive producer is Kim Kelling. And since way back in the 70s and 80s, when many American factories became brownfields, the push has been on to recover the nation's manufacturing capability. Today, there's a newly created initiative to promote manufacturing in the Tallahassee area. What's up with that? We'll get into it next Thursday, right here on Perspectives from WFSU Public Media. Take care.